This is episode five of Firm Up, the fermented podcast. Hello there. I'm Brandon, and that is... Daniela. How are you this week? Good, how are you? <laughs> Good. What's news? What's news? <laughs> what's, what's, what's news with you? <laughs> not much. What's news with you? Have you been fermenting anything this week? I have not. Uh, you have a plan for fermenting something, though, don't you? I do want to make some uh, ginger soda. So some naturally fermented soda? Of course, yes. But I have not gotten around to it. I'm hoping to possibly do it on Sunday. I just have to get the ingredients that I do not have at the moment. Yes. And oh. then once I, which I still have to do some research on it, but once I make the base for it, I would then possibly add some mango or other flavors to it and try to make other soda flavors. So you're starting with the ginger ginger beer with like a ginger bug and then... Yes, I'm going to create or make a ginger bug first and then possibly explore other options with it. But I still have a lot of research, a lot of research to do on that. So as of now, though, I am not fermenting anything. What about you? Been fermenting a few different things. Uh, I've just started uh, some kimchi today, and I'll touch on that a little bit later. And also was just tasting big batch of sauerkraut a couple days ago that I need to put in the refrigerator. But it seems like either it went a little too long or it was fermented a little too high in temperature or it just got contaminated or something. It's got a slight off flavor. So again, another disappointing. I I have like the, the harsh crock is one thing where I, I maybe I just contaminated it at one point. And so ever since it's kind of more likely to just get like a slight mildewy moldy taste to it. That stuff tasted really good at one point when I taste tested it. Um, so it was doing well. You for infected a while. it when you opened it. I mean, I was careful, but um, it was doing really well when I tried it. I mean, I don't know. I like the flavor of it, but I I don't know if it, you would call it finished at that point. But yeah, it was still a little young. So it wasn't when you were it wasn't moldy then. So, but at four weeks, or I thought it'd be good. Next time, I'm just going to do it slower. The harsh crock is is finicky. I I find. Um, or at least for myself, I haven't found the the quite the right way. It could just not done for. Maybe you should just be done with it earlier. Yeah, or put it in lower temperatures. Problem is, our basement's a little too cold right now. It's like a walkout basement, so it gets a little bit colder. And so I I colder than like basement normal fifty fifty five. It's it gets a little bit colder than that, and. So yeah, so it makes it a, a little challenging to, to ferment in the basement this year because it's been it's been cold. But it's starting to warm up a bit. Maybe it won't be so cold. And um, because right now I think it's about forty eight degrees, so that warmed up more than what it was when it was a little bit colder out. And I only know it's forty eight degrees in there because I'm also aging some cheese. Hopefully, it will still work in the basement at that temperature. But the coldest room is laundry room, and that's upstairs, and that's. That's about 60, 68, 65, 68 degrees, roughly. And then in the basement, it's 48. So we'll see. There's, what there's temperature kind of, do you need for the cheese? For the Monterey Jack cheese that I'm making right now, it's uh, recommended, I guess, for, what is it, 50 to 55 degrees? Oh, I think you told me that before. Yeah. And so 
yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, if nothing else, hopefully once it warms up a bit that, that it will start aging and as opposed to just molding in a bad way. Cheese is still new. Cheese is still new for me. So I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Apparently in sauerkraut too. No, sauerkraut's not new, but... You just don't have luck making a bigger batch. You've made some successful... Yeah, like the smaller batches batches. in mason jars work good, but the big batches just hasn't... They don't work so well for me. At least the big batches in the the harsh crocs. Does your mom have one of these? I'm pretty sure she's made some successful sauerkraut. Yeah, definitely. So I guess I'll have to talk to her. I mean, I I talked her into getting it, so I I mean, I figure... (laughs) Or or mentioned that she... uh, that, That we... That I had one, and so I figured... She'd like it and she does. So maybe I'll just see what she did. Maybe I did something wrong the first time I ever used it. And I. Yeah. Or ask where she stores it when she's fermenting. Yes, I will. I will. Check crack on down that. on the harsh crock and, and really get it going. But in the, in the news, we actually have news today. It's kind of a weird news. I, I was looking at this today and uh, there's a probiotic coffee have you ever heard of probiotic coffee sounds disgusting sounds disgusting why does it sound disgusting because you're a coffee coffee gal because coffee doesn't it's never been fermented it's not something well it is fermented you have to remember it is fermented yes i'm sorry it is fermented but it's not something that comes with those benefits so it's it's i just i'm much very much against making something be that it's not and that's how I feel about coffee. I love coffee. I love the taste of it. But coffee can bring you the same benefits sauerkraut can or yogurt. Yes, but now coffee is probiotic. And you can get the same benefits as you get from sauerkraut and yogurt, right? So are you supporting this? No. Why I not? think it's weird. I Just think it's a lot of work to get a probiotic into a product that doesn't necessarily needed i don't think i guess in general it's probably geared towards people who aren't getting much of any live probiotics in their life so maybe it's better in that sense but it uh, yeah it just seems kind of kind of weird because here's here's the thing for one it's expensive it's instant coffee it's it how much is it well for instant coffee it's 5.49 for 6 sachets is is how it's referred to as so it's so, like 6 glasses uh, probably six cups of coffee. Well, I mean, it's sure it is, but if you think about how many people go and buy coffee every day, but it's instant coffee. Instant coffee is like ten cents a cup. It's cheap, super cheap. I I only know it's ten cents a cup because I've never drank instant coffee myself. But it <laughs> says it in the article somewhere that um, so it's definitely more expensive. And uh, it's a it's a it's a new coffee. Um, not that we're advertising or anything, but it's this company Tipton Mills. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it if someone is interested and wants to try it. I just, I don't, to me, the whole point, it, it, something about it doesn't seem right. It's kind of like telling someone you to lose weight, you don't have to do anything but sit. I don't know. if Does that make sense? Well, yeah, but you don't have to do anything to digest uh, probiotics either. I mean, yeah. someone doesn't have no, to no, make them themselves. There's plenty saying. of products on the market now where you can get yogurt and sauerkraut and kimchi and all these other things that are uh, already 
ready to go and full of probiotics and they're not necessarily always marketed so heavily that way. Oh, and a lot of people don't like fermented foods though, just because they're not used to it or True. Or... So this is geared towards a person that doesn't like fermented foods, that doesn't like cheese, that doesn't like yogurt, that doesn't like sauerkraut, that doesn't like kimchi, that doesn't like any of the most amazing foods in the world. Yeah, I don't know many people that don't like cheese, but everything else I can agree with. I was just reading an article today of some guy that that does. We'll cover that in a later topic, but yeah, he does not like cheese, but what? Why? Why doesn't he like cheese? Uh, he likes ice cream. That was that was his thing. No, he discovered – or not discovered. He's been for a long time claiming that cheese has been around for a lot longer than one was once thought. So we're talking like 7,500 years okay. versus a lot, like 3,000 to 4,000 before that I think is kind of where it was at. Uh, so he, based on these clay pots that now they're able to measure the lipids in and everything, we'll cover that in a in a future – Future, future news, future news. Okay, but you can't start a conversation and then stop. So why does he not like cheese? Just because it's been discovered that cheese has been around longer than... No, no, no. He's, this has been kind of ongoing. He prefaced this back in the 80s, I believe. And again, the reason why I wasn't going to talk about it too much is because I can't remember the article that well off the top (laughs) of my head. I just read it today. But it's... Later technology has been able to measure clay pots that are piece shards of clay pots that were from dated uh, that long ago, 7,500 years ago, and they have lipid proteins on them from milk. No. Okay. That's fine. But why does he not like cheese? I don't know. That wasn't about the article. It's just he <laughs> said that even though he does not like cheese, he can't stand the taste, forever his career will be based on cheese. That is so intriguing to me. That someone doesn't like like cheese? cheese. Any kind of I mean, how far do you go? Do you not like cheese pizza? So you don't like pizza? I mean, I guess you could have non-cheese pizzas, but um, I mean, cheese is everywhere. Cheese is everywhere. Fermented foods are everywhere. No, that's true. Yeah, I think a lot of people just don't realize they're fermented foods. Kind of like me with coffee. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I knew eat, that, but I wasn't thinking of it. I like don't know that. if that's considered as a part of the the what the estimations of as much as one third of the foods we eat are fermented. I don't know if that estimation includes not. things. Obviously, that includes things that aren't living ferments that aren't probiotic in essence. But um, so I don't know if, if something like that includes coffee or it doesn't. I'm assuming it probably does because coffee, chocolate, all those kind of things are one third of things we eat are fermented. I, I could definitely see that. So chocolate and coffee make up the one third most likely. Just kidding. <laughs> For you, it seems that way. No. You like, you like a lot of, a lot of chocolate. Yes, I do. Yes. Um, but you also like coffee, but not instant coffee. This is just where it's weird because looking at this a little bit more, it's a specific probiotic Again, probiotics that are made by supplement companies are engineered for specific qualities. They're not necessarily what I'd call natural or or I mean they're they're definitely engineered to be a certain way because this thing, think about probiotics, usually heat kills them. Well, this one is surviving the heat of the coffee. It's, I mean, it's just, it's not, in my mind, I don't see it as something real. It's engineered. Well, I mean, so well, it's, it's engineered, but so many I, things I, are engineered. I mean, I, I know. And I think that's my issue with 
with foods, especially, I, I, I don't. Well, how far back do you want to go? I mean, uh, agriculture is kind of engineered. Okay. Yes. I understand that, but I'm saying that's, I'm talking about when you're creating something in a lab that doesn't even exist. I mean, sure. Maybe not having a garden the way we do never really existed because, you know, plants grow wild and, and certain plants wouldn't survive. If it wasn't for us you know, babying them and, and helping them grow. But we're still not going to the extremes of, I mean, we are, but I just don't like going to the extremes of changing something um, that's not there or enhancing it. It's, it's kind of like, how does that really affect the body? It's probably not going to affect the body the same way the sauerkraut bacteria does or yogurts or um, the live cultures in, in those foods. They're not going to affect the body the same way that this created, you know, um, culture, live bacteria in this coffee is going to be. Well, yeah, it's not going to necessarily do the same thing. I don't think we probably know. And, and I don't know how these kind of measurements, oh, if they've really been made, because basically what this is trying to do is it's, it's coded, I guess it's, it's a coded, but it's encapsulated the bacillus bacteria, this, what is it called? It's Ganoden BC30. It's been coated so that it can survive both the acids in the stomach and the heat from the coffee. Does it get absorbed? Not that it's really even absorbed anyway. That probiotics, I mean, that's not kind of really how they, they work. It's really just kind of weird as to it, what what is this really doing? Sure, it's been measured that it actually lasts and gets to the gut, but does it actually do anything? Well, and and I feel like sometimes we can't just recreate something. I mean, we've you know there there are some things that we've tried you know recreating, and we we just can't figure it out. We don't know why a certain thing is the way it is, and we can. And so I think my hesitation with it is well, for one, this is new, so. It hasn't been studied and, um, you know, we don't, we just don't know that much about it. And, and, and so I wouldn't even try it anytime soon. But how about in coffee? I'm sorry, pizza. Wow. Um, no, I, that's even worse. Oatmeal. Say. Are they doing it in all of those? Ganoden BC 30 is going to be in all those things. So I guess, again, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's going to make any difference. I think it's only people are going to be spending more for something they don't need How's and that? it's not necessarily beneficial. But the idea behind this is since it's heat heat tolerant, that it's amazing because you can put it in anything. But see, that's where I question. If it is heat tolerant and typical uh, bacteria in fermented foods isn't. I don't think it's necessarily that the bacteria – is any more heat tolerant? I think that it's the encapsulation makes it so. I'm hoping that What's they're not the, making some kind of super bug that's going to take over our guts and destroy everything that's there because it can do really high temperatures. But What's the encapsulation? I mean, I that's just... No, I mean, I, I don't... At this point, I don't agree with any of it. I just think people should just do what they've been doing traditionally for centuries. And, and I mean, it's... If they, if someone wants to get a certain, you know, bacteria or a vitamin, get it from the food that has it. Don't try and recreate that in a food that doesn't have it. I mean, pizza, come on. 
but it's something that people that aren't eating any live foods are lacking in their diet. And it's being found more and more how important the microbiota of the gut affects the rest of our body. No, I, I understand that, but people that are, for one, that are eating those foods all the time to begin with, I mean, they really should just question or evaluate their diet. I mean, altogether. Sure, that might they might have more bacteria in their gut or whatever how that however that affects the body. But what else what other issues are they causing in their body by eating pizza, let's say every day or I'm going to eat pizza every day so that I can get the probiotics I need. But you know what I mean? It's just there needs to be a balance. And so by including this in in these foods that maybe throw someone's diet off balance, which is fine if it's not consumed every day, that's just encouraging. And that's kind of saying Coke has Coke health, with probiotics. Isn't you know, that like a great Coke idea? Coke has health benefits or something like that. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, and I guess it also kind of falls apart with the idea since these are premium products, people are paying more for them. So the average person that isn't eating any live active cultures probably isn't going to spend more on these premium products. It mainly seems like they, the, I don't know what their target market is, but it yeah, seems like it really is geared towards people who don't know anything, but want, have heard the, the keyword of, of probiotics. Kind of like, like the sauerkraut company advertising that we need more of them. Oh yeah. yeah. There was that press release that was talking the, the Frank's kraut, which is canned. It's dead. Are you sure it's they don't living. produce any live? Maybe they do, but even their press release had a picture of their can. Oh. Uh, and, and was, uh, talking about how Dr. Oz says that eat more sauerkraut to get the probiotics you need in your diet. Really kind of weird. There was a press release from Frank's sauerkraut, but Frank's sauerkraut is dead. Maybe they have a living one, but <laughs> you mean there's sauerkraut. <laughs> just how you said that. Yes. And, uh, yeah, no, that, it's just, a, it seems like there's, it's a, it's becoming a, a buzzword. I mean, they're flat out. I guess they're not flat out lying because they're telling the truth, but obviously anyone that knows what the company is and what they make in a way they're lying, but not flat out lying because, yeah. you know, they're saying sauerkraut has probiotics, but theirs doesn't. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just seem- so fishy. And there's a, there's a lot of weird marketing going on with any buzzword and imp- fermentation probiotics. It's becoming more popular. I've seen quite a few blog posts and different things. And there was a, I think it was a New York Times article that started it with one of the trends for 2013 is fermentation. I love it. It's just, it seriously cracks me up when we have trends for food. I mean, come food on. Food is trendy. It's kind of like the yogurts that I see in grocery stores that, you know, um, lose weight or, you know, whatever they're advertising. I mean, I look at the ingredients. I mean, it's not even really yogurt at that point. It has so much stuff in it that it's just, it's, it's a sweet dessert. Well, in defense of the trends article, it was referring to more upscale restaurants and the like of that, not the trends of marketing. Oh, well, okay. But yes, it definitely is very it's kind of like fiber or anything else that is a keyword that people understand or at least have heard of and associate it with healthy eating. They can put that on labels and packages of things that aren't 
such kind of like the natural term. People just need to accept the fact that, you know, food is food. Just, we should stop trying making it pretty. It's not. But pretty sells. Well, obviously, yes. There's a lot of things in agriculture and, and, and food that it sells. So if people are willing to pay for this, then sure, I'm go all out for it. But I think it is misdirection and doesn't help people in reality to have this single single culture in the probiotic that will make it through when you can eat fermented foods either that you make yourself or you get one of the the products from a store which are also premium products you spend a little bit more for the the fresh sauerkraut for the fresh kimchi for good yogurt although you know yogurt you don't have to buy the Activa or different brands like that. Um, whereas I think some people are getting misdirected and think that Activa is the only yogurt you can get that is probiotic. I'm not really realizing hope- that a large number of yogurts are not dead either. I'm just really hoping that people are smarter than smarter than that and really just – don't follow oh it says on the package that it's this and this is what i'm gonna go with but i think a lot of people just don't know anything necessarily about food and in it being two people that spend a lot of time thinking about food for a minute or otherwise i sometimes forget but like i was just talking to someone last week that didn't realize sauerkraut was fermented i can understand not necessarily knowing anything about live or dead or anything like that and it was just casual conversation but so people don't even realize that the foods they are eating come from microorganisms creating it the way that it is. I mean, a lot of people um, – you were reading that article last week that was about getting school children to interact with their their food and learn where food comes from and everything like that. And, um, you know, because a lot of kids just in are starting to be and in some places are, but a lot of times, at least in the United States – there's very little education. Kids don't know where their food's coming from. I know. That's very sad. It's, Even if it's they grow up on a farm sad. sometimes, they're not necessarily – I assume on a farm they know a little bit more. But again, big agribusiness, a lot of those farms are are large things that are so distant from what agriculture used to be that they're still not seeing unless they have a, a, a small garden. Even people that live out in, in the country aren't necessarily seeing it in the same way. So it's not even like a city versus country thing. People just aren't realizing where their food's coming from necessarily. Well, yeah, and, and that's not really to blame people. I mean, it's just the way our society has become and is. I mean, people that live in cities, I mean, New York City especially, or some large city, and they're so far from anything, you know, local or uh, not local, but um, land. It's It doesn't surprise me, it, but it's very, it's just, it's very sad to to not really think about but yeah i mean it's it's kind of like not to really to really not think about what one's eating or where it's coming from it's, i wouldn't go so far as to say it's sad because there's probably a lot of things that other people are very passionate about that they would think is sad that we don't know anything about either so it's not necessarily but that there's anything the, this is essential to one's being one i mean it, you need it to live so i i would argue that food is something everyone should under, would should understand it's I mean, it keep it keeps a person alive. Yes, but really unhealthy food keeps people alive as well. Maybe it's slowly killing them. Maybe not. But either way, a, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where a lot of people don't know a lot of things about 
in general, people don't necessarily need to know a whole lot about. But if nothing else, question what is being marketed, if anything else. I don't know. That's just that's a big issue that I don't think you and I could even dice. I mean, even start comprehending or really discussing at this point, just marketing and food and to society, at least in the United States and other places. But yeah, it's a little off topic for for um, this podcast, but it's but yes, the fact that you know is it Frank's sauerkraut? Yes, is advertising you should eat their sauerkraut for the probiotics, and yet they don't. It was in a it was in a press release and kind of like sneakily kind of worded. It kind of seemed it just it just seemed weird to me. Maybe they are coming out with some live thing or something that I've I've never seen. But I I, I'm, I would hope they would. Uh, and and again, probiotics in general. Take them, but or or don't get them naturally or otherwise. But yeah, I mean, coming soon to at least the internet near you. I don't know where else you can get these things, but. Pizza, coffee, oatmeal, everything filled with probiotics for you. Things that are a little bit more living. Is this a new topic? Great way of like killing my my segue (laughs) there. Yes. Um, A new topic. Announcing new topic. This is a new topic. Uh, I was just reading an article that came out in the last few days in uh, the Oregonian uh, well, I think it's OregonLive.com. It's it's something part of theirs. But it was How to Make Kimchi, a video with expert Chong Choi. And it's actually a good introductory recipe for making for making kimchi. And it, it's from recipe a... Recipe or video or... Well, recipe, instructional video, how to. It's oh, okay. all of the above. And it's from a woman and her uh, mother and, and son who own a or run a business for making kimchi i'm assuming in portland or oregon somewhere and uh, started it a few years ago it looks kind of good it's a nice little nice little write-up about them it, it will be in the show notes and do you know where they can get the show notes you don't well eventually one of these days you'll you'll know too but it's at www.firmup.com slash podcast slash five how about we just say that's something that you should always repeat? But if you can't ever repeat it, then how can we ever expect our guests to be able to remember? <laughs> oh, well, no, it's just that that's something that you do on your end. You know, the website, the the blog, it's it's just, it's your thing. Okay. Well, okay. Well then again, firmup.com slash podcast slash five. And by the way, the website is pretty sweet though. So you should definitely check it out just because I'm not familiar with all the the slashes and the... And where you can find things, it's it is pretty cool. It's easy to get around. If you really can't remember the podcast slash five, then just go to firmup.com. And Brandon has some pretty awesome photos that he himself takes that are pretty cool. Yes, and I'll probably take some photos of kimchi as well soon because I followed these instructions or am following these instructions for this video just to kind of see it. A little, it's it's slightly different than. Every recipe is probably slightly different for kimchi and there's what, 200 plus kinds out there. There's all kinds of different kimchi, but this is a specific recipe. It has an Asian pear in it as well. So get a little bit of that sweetness. Yeah. Um, And the main difference that I see also from ways that I've done it are that instead of the traditional putting it in a saltwater brine, it's actually... 
uh, the the vegetables and specifically the Napa cabbage, putting it in a saltwater brine, letting that sit for five to six hours. Instead, uh, this uh, woman recommend or is for this recipe saying to fill a bowl with water and put the Napa cabbage in it, the diced up Napa cabbage, okay. and then dump out that water and then add salt and, and mix that up and let it sit without the without sitting in the water oh. for five to six hours. Mm. And it's kind of, I guess, would wilt like the, the cabbage a little bit differently. And it's just not being – it's not soaking in, in water then for those those first, first five to six hours. And what is that – do to the how is that different what I don't does know. it do to it maybe it'll change texture maybe it'll be nothing different maybe i don't know yeah because that's I, why it didn't say anything I, about I, it okay because i was under under the impression that it's in the water so that it softens the, the yeah and it's different than sauerkraut where sauerkraut traditionally you want pounding crispy. uh uh massaging getting those juices out from the cabbage itself in kimchi Traditionally, it's soaked in a salt brine first, and then actually rinsed to get some of that because it's it's salt it's soaked in a in a high salt concentration, and then you actually rinse it down to whatever salt preference that a person has after it's soaked for five to six hours before it's put into a clay jar or a, a mason jar or whatever other other format it's in. This uh, again, this recipe is interesting. It's for makes for a half gallon, and just trying it out. Because again, it's fun to try a slightly different uh, kimchi recipe. They're all different. And this one is also for, uh, you know, it's not like the whole whole Napa cabbages or, or half Napa cabbages or the leaves of Napa cabbages kind of as we saw in a different video for making kimchi that was uh, part of Kim Jong, which is the fall time i think it's november is the month where i think so where people in traditionally in korea i guess less and less so there as everything modernizes and they can get at the grocery store yeah they can get their kimchi i mean uh, people it's the national dish in in korea and i have only been in the airport in south korea so i can't really say that i've I, I did try it at Korean Airlines. I, I They did have some good kimchi on, is, on the flight. That is pretty cool, though, I have to say. Getting kimchi that on they're the... So, it's like so important to them that, you, that they even include it in the airplane. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a... Yeah, it, 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 and it tasted good. It was good? Yeah, even I mean, I, again, was I, a, it I was like what... five plus years ago. I don't think I had tried that many kinds of kimchis before, but it, it was a rather mild kimchi. Which again is something to remember about kimchi is that the peppers only came a couple. Mm, how many? I got like a few it wasn't hundred, a few origi- hundred. It's not an original part of the recipe. Well, no, it will not originally. Where kimchi comes from it might be more like where do fermented vegetables come from? Seems like it leans towards China being the place, but uh, you have to remember that peppers are relatively new in Asia because it's a new world vegetables from North and South America. So kimchi was at one point not hot, even though generally it is now with its peppers and ginger and garlic and onion and scallions or green onions and, and, and Napa cabbage. Napa is generally the thing. And, and then the daikon radish. I'm not using daikon radish at the moment because 
I found some radishes, just regular red radishes. So that's the only thing I'm going to do slightly different in this recipe that, that we had seen. But, but this fall thing that, that is, is done in, in at least South Korea is getting families together to make large batches of kimchi to last six plus months to last over the winter. And we found this one video that will again be in the show notes from up.com slash podcast slash five. And you will see a, uh, it's an English teacher. Uh, it looks like an American English teacher who is over in, in South Korea goes out into the country to ferment and make kimchi with like the whole family with, yeah, with the whole family. And he says it was, it was hard work. Uh, you'll, you'll hear him say that Although a, a I couple times him working that much in the video, but yes, it's, <laughs> seems pretty labor intensive labor intensive and, and it, it time like- time consuming what they're doing i mean it's i'm just amazed that they are literally um what is that called? brushing each leaf from the cabbage with the pepper mix i mean they're just going through each little piece of cabbage yeah they've got and- like on 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 big latex gloves like dish washing gloves and they're and masks for the <laughs> when the- they're dealing with the huge Batch of uh, bags of pepper of cayenne pepper it's pretty crazy um but it's pretty cool though too yeah to, to think about there's of course different traditions like this in other areas but it's definitely one country where there is it's an entire nation that eats a lot of kimchi whether they make it themselves or not i did find a few other videos just out of curiosity nothing that was uh worth putting in the show notes but people fermenting and making the kimchi in their um, apartments and still doing large batches like these, just having little tarps out, big bowls, different things, and and doing these massive batches of, of kimchi to be able to last over, over the winter. And people have, especially people that live in the apartments, I don't know how common it is, but there's kimchi refrigerators to be able to keep it at the proper temperature. And, well, the interesting thing I had read was that they actually preferred to make it at home because it's cheaper. So buying it at the store is more expensive which just seems kind of backwards from, I guess, I feel like here, um, I know that's kimchi's not true. Still, yeah, kimchi is yeah. still a lot cheaper. Um, to make at home. No, no, no. I was, I was not thinking of kimchi. I was just thinking of purchasing something versus buying. Sometimes I feel like in the United States, it's cheaper to just buy something versus make it, you know, like pasta or something Depends like on that. how you value your time. It, 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 yes. Um, but so that, that And the people in these videos are working – you know, at least long periods of time because you're talking, I don't know how much cabbage, but that, that, that was a huge amount of cabbage. And, and if you're talking about eating kimchi, most meals of the day, I think two or three meals out of the day are with kimchi as a side or part it's, of the actual I, meal. It's yeah, that's six, in every meal. Six plus months for an entire large uh, extended family to be able to live for six plus months. That's, that's a lot of kimchi. I mean, they had like the crates out the, the plastic crates that they put it in. Traditionally it's clay pots that would be dug and put in the ground. And I guess for that, it's when they're dug and put in the ground, they start to ferment. Then the temperatures get too cold and it kind of stalls the ferment. And I'm, and then once it starts to warm up a little bit in spring, again, it ferments a little bit more. And Again, there's all kinds of of kimchi out there, so I'm sure many different families during Kim Jong do it all different kinds of ways. But that was was interesting to see those videos. When you're talking about though the prices and it being a lot cheaper to make at home, which generally makes sense, 
back in 2010. Just a little bit. It's not news, but let's flash back to to uh, the kimchi crisis of 2010. <laughs> Which is funny. Well, it's what did it call intense. It? Um, the kimchi it, it, crisis. Is that what the governor, someone, some um, official called it? It was an actual term that I and that I found really, really funny. Um, not funny. I, I mean, it, it wasn't funny, obviously, for them to take it so seriously. But it's just intriguing that they was that. I think that's what they probably called it. But it was a kimchi crisis. They were sub- was... subsidizing cabbage cabbages, and there were long lines of people waiting to get their cabbage. And yeah, because we're talking about cabbage that Napa cabbage grown in South Korea at that point was not very much money. It didn't cost very much. It was like two forty or something, and you, the prices it, went up to like fourteen to twenty dollars. Yes, a head of cabbage. Yes, and it was a probably many different things that that created this shortage. There it was, was it was the weather mainly. Weather was part of it. There was also potentially some political issues with other areas that were getting taken over for some other kinds of buildings and was supposedly oh, a lot yeah, of land, they were, but they, they, I yeah, mean, what, what the actual reason is, I don't know if it was ever fully clarified, but it was a big deal because again, families, Kim Jong are making their, their kimchi traditionally with Napa cabbage being the most popular way to, to make kimchi. You can have like radish kimchi to other, other kinds of kimchi without the Napa cabbage, but that's definitely the traditional way. And so there's a lot of, a lot of cabbage. And when there's that kind of shortage, it was cheaper to purchase store-bought kimchi at that point. Well, I think the store-bought kimchi also went up in price at that point. It did too. definitely go up in price, but it was still cheaper than to make your own. And people were either making less or not making it at all, which would be kind of sad if it's a family tradition every single year to do that kind of thing and then not to be able to afford it because of a kimchi crisis. That That is a pretty serious deal, and especially if they're eating it for every single meal all the time. I mean, you're Croatian. Imagine if you like went through a wheat crisis and couldn't have bread yeah, at that, least that, back when you were eating bread on a regular basis all the time. Yeah, no, that would be pretty bad. Like think about your your – like. Croatia, Serbia, I think that'd be – people would be going crazy, wouldn't they, if they couldn't make their bread or they couldn't get it in the stores or different oh, things yeah, like that? Because that's, def- that's definitely like kimchi. It's eaten with every meal regardless of what that is. I can, I can think of one one dish I think that they would be okay without the – it's actually the the cooked sauerkraut, but everything else has bread They're in okay it. without bread with cooked sauerkraut. Yeah, because they boil potatoes, and that's kind of like the bread. Yeah, but I've, I've seen your family eat oh, well, yeah, potatoes they, and bread together. Oh, well, they do, but for this dish, it's just one of those things. It's that one dish where they'd be okay. So people would be eating a lot more sauerkraut. In, it'd be cooked, if, though, so. It, well, either way, they'd be eating a lot more sauerkraut if, if the wheat shortage ever happened. I think it's a little different because I'm assuming Croatia, Serbia, that they will import wheat from other areas, and it's probably not all grown in Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's definitely Whereas the case. that was the big thing in the crisis of 2010 was that political reasons, uh, uh, national pride reasons. Otherwise, generally, there was very little or none at all of cabbage being imported in. It was all cabbage that was grown in South Korea that was used. 
And from reading around a little bit, again, I have no knowledge on this subject, but with uh, it being something where people just, the general consensus was that if it wasn't local, it wasn't, if it wasn't from Korea, then it wasn't, it was contaminated. It was bad. And, and I, and I think that's even beyond that being a reality. I just think that that was the, that was the conception. So it was a really big deal when they decided to uh, lift an embargo on, on imported cabbage from China. And they also were recommending using the inferior quality cabbage, the European cabbage, not necessarily imported from from Europe, but the round cabbage is the kind that's traditionally used for sauerkraut because that's just not that doesn't make the same kind of kimchi. I actually haven't tried making kimchi with that kind. I don't, maybe it really wouldn't be that bad, but at least the mentality is totally different. But it is a different kind of because the the napa cabbage has those really thick uh, leaves on the outside, at least toward the base. So it would definitely be different. Um, well, yeah, we purchased some purchased kimchi that I think we both have tried that was made with napa cabbage. Yes, most kimchi is made with napa yeah. cabbage. I mean, and I think the difference from the one you make in that is that the ones that's from the stores, it is softer, the cabbages, and um, maybe I th- I would guess, I mean, and this could also be many different things, but to me it seems like that the cabbage is more absorbed with flavors than versus one you use, which yours is definitely up there, but it's just, I, I taste more of the cabbage versus the... Oh, you're saying I'm comparing the the Napa cabbage to the round cabbage that you use. Yeah, but that's because I haven't really made it. I I don't often make the traditional kimchi because traditional kimchi is with making it with the paste, the garlic and different paste. And if you aren't doing that, you're not going to get it absorbed the same way. I was just kind of using jalapeno peppers or cayenne peppers and putting those in with it, but it's the paste that really gets it to absorb in there. And Without that paste, I think that you get duller, more cabbage-tasting cabbage. Well, and, I mean, yeah, I figured it was also the recipes that you used. Yeah, if you if you do it traditionally, as you can look in those videos that you find in the show notes, you just it, oh, there's also another video in there. Now that I think about it, and threw it in the show notes anyway, just because it's interesting. If nothing else, it's a, a it, according to Wikipedia, it's a it's a popular show since 2009 i don't know if it's still popular it's a variety hour kind of show but there was like seven episodes where they were making kimchi and i guess it's kind of a comedy and the it's it's in korean so i don't understand any of it (laughs) but it's they're making kimchi it's kind of a competition they're all kind of making it themselves different things but they're all dressed up in kind of drag as well and so i didn't know if this was kind of the show and the way they did it but i think it's because Traditionally, kimchi is made by the women. Yeah, I I, that, I read that too. That it is okay. So that that's that's why these men are dressed in drag and competing at making kimchi. And there's like fast forwarding through it. I saw some like it looks like someone made a really bad kimchi and someone else made a really good one. And they're kind of just weird and joking about it. But yeah, if you want to see some popular or at least at one point popular Korean television show. It's and about you kimchi. And speak the language. Go for it. Or Otherwise, if you don't, <laughs> uh, if you don't, it, I don't know. Maybe it's more entertaining, not knowing what's actually going on because you can kind of guess what's going on. But uh, I don't think I don't recommend that for learning how to make kimchi if you haven't ever made it before. But again, they're still making 
decent sized batches. So again, when you make your kimchi, make it big. What what else is in the news these days, Brandon? Well, that's really kind of where the the news ends. And again, we were looking back at the news from from 2010. Um, but it's interesting with with looking at these different shortages of national dishes or or shortages of any kind of food. And that's kind of the nice thing about fermenting foods, especially if a person's growing it themselves, is that yes, there may be a shortage in something. And if a person's not fully set on, I have to have this certain dish, that's the plus side of fermenting a lot of different kinds of foods. And, um, and even beyond vegetables, fermenting dairy, fermenting, um, vegetables, all different kinds of things is that if there is a shortage, there's a lot of times an abundance of something else. So, you know, if, if, if you have fewer cabbages and more radishes, make some radish fermented vegetables. It, tradition is great. And it's a lot of fun to be able to make those different kinds of things. Um, traditionally and over and over and over again each year. And, and at the same time, you can pretty much ferment any kind of vegetable, anything that's coming out of the garden, anything that's coming from a farmer's market or otherwise. For the most part, don't, yeah, I mean, some are going to be more uh, successful than others. Well, it's you're, kind of so you're just saying fermentation is very forgiving or easy, and well, it's it's not if very a person's picky. not set on one specific kind of things. If there's ever a shortage, there's again generally an abundance of something else. So trying different things, the um, whether it's inferior cabbage um, in kimchi, according to um, South Korea, or if it's using a different vegetable in place of another one. Pretty much you can, I I'll, I'll mix different vegetables. And so traditional stuff is fun, but I like adding other elements to it. Yeah. Sometimes traditional is not the best. Don't even about it being best or not best because again, it comes down to, I mean, that'd be fun. I think, I think we should do, uh, this, this fall, we should do a, uh, a Kim Jong of our own. And with, with who else? We'll grab a whole bunch of people and, and have them, them and force them to make a kimchi with us. They'd be like, what's kimchi? Yes. We'll put on some masks so that no one gets burnt nostrils from inhaling way too much powdered cayenne pepper. It will, it'll be a lot of fun and it, it would be fun because it's sure. Why? There's a lot of traditions around fermentation that are lost. I was just reading someone's story about how like, uh, you might know something about this, but again, it doesn't seem like you remember that much about, uh, sauerkraut making, but a Serbian style of making sauerkraut is, uh, that, you know, people that have come over from, from Serbia, they get together and a lot of, a lot of Serbian people in the United States and they get together and, and, um, this one group's tradition is, they get a, a lot of cabbages that they like stock up into like a corner of a room and they go up as high as the ceiling and they're just ready to make a bunch of cabbages and, and make a bunch of, of cabbages into sauerkraut and they get a big plastic barrel and, and, and shred most of it. And then they put other whole heads of cabbage in there as well to make those other whole head cabbage dishes. Whereas yeah. I've only seen it where it's soaking the entire head in a salt brine, but that what they're doing is shredding a bunch of cabbage and then inside of that, putting the actual, uh, whole heads so that they can ferment both at the same time. 
I think I've seen something like that done before. But they also did. Uh, uh, it seems like it's it's a lot of it because it's a lot of that's with these things with the Kim Jong uh, watching those videos with reading about some Serbian traditions of um, making it makes you when you're making going. well when you're making a large huge batch it takes a lot of time it takes a decent amount of people doing repetitive tasks um, and so even if it's not hard work like that English teacher was saying it didn't necessarily look like really physical labor it's redundant labor and it just it, it so that's i think part of the tradition as well and it what that other uh, story that i was i was reading about with the the serbian traditions that it seems like they drink that um do you, you might know the alcohol that starts with a, a s or something slivko or something like shlivko shivovac so uh, is there shlivko there's i think oh okay. it's a it's one of the fruit fermented. No. Yeah, whatever. I mean, again, this is just one one tradition, and they, they they'll take breaks between shredding cabbage and uh, tamping down cabbage and different things when they're making their sauerkraut, and and you know, so by the end of the um, they, the, the day, and- they're <laughs> drunk and singing songs, yeah. Serbian songs, and I, and I do recall something like that from my childhood too. Yeah, so maybe it's time to bring back some more fermentation traditions. So if you don't have any in your family or whatnot, then maybe it's time to create some, pass it down to the next generations. and uh, Get together with your neighbors. Yeah, especially it wraps right back with what we were talking about with all those probiotics. People just aren't as connected with their food. Imagine, That's- imagine walking up to your neighbor's house. Want to have a party? Want to have a kimchi party? <laughs> I wonder what their reaction would be. A Kim Jong party. That's that's what – let's let's start a, a – a, a revolution. Let's start a, okay, a. Let's go. Let's let's just start every month. We'll we'll find some kind of tradition somewhere and and bring a whole bunch of people together that that would have never tried it before and 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 try fermenting. So if you have any traditions that you have have done your either passed down from your family or something you've started new yourself, we'd love to hear. You can reach us at podcast at firmup.com or you can go to firmup.com slash contact if you prefer to get some contact information that way and definitely let us know what traditions you've either done maybe have seen or heard that your family had done at one point but aren't doing anymore or traditions that you'd like to start and again being the new year it's a wonderful time to start have new resolutions, start new traditions. So it's time to start those fermentation traditions and just hope that there's never a crisis like the kimchi crisis in 2010.